0: We're going to be in Mark chapter 6 this morning, if you'll be finding that in your Bible. so good to have guests with us today. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. We're delighted to have you and trust the service will be an encouragement to you. Mark chapter 6, and we're just going to read one verse as we begin uh, today, and and, um, trust that we'll find it helpful in our life. And as is our custom, if you're able to stand, would you stand with us as we look into the Bible, the Word of God together. Mark chapter 6, just a refresher on for those again who are our guests. We've been going in Sunday mornings, verse by verse, through the Gospel of Mark. Just taking the stories, the passages, the teachings as they come. And a couple of weeks ago we dealt with uh, that passage in... Oh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 25, 26, 28 where John the Baptist was executed and then right after that we dealt with the passage in verse 29 and following where Jesus took his disciples away for a time of solitude, a time of rest, a time for getting perspective. This was an emotional and challenging time for them. And then As they tried to cross the sea, the crowds could tell where they were going and followed on foot, and they came and met them as they got off the boat. And that brings us to verse 34, where it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them, many things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today and pray that you'd bless as we study it. Lord, help uh, help us to be attentive, to be open, to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. We pray that, Lord, you would just prevent hindrances and distractions that would prevent that from happening, and we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout any of the Gospels, this is certainly true in Mark's Gospel, we see over and over this demonstration of God's power. And we've seen already where God healed lepers. He raised people from the dead. And just miraculous, miraculous demonstrations of the power of God. On this verse, though, we're going to look at not so much what he did, but one of the things that motivated him in what he did and why he acted, when he acted, why he acted, how he acted. There's a phrase that we'll keep coming back to in verse 34, if your eyes are fixed on that, where it says he was moved with compassion. Now, I want to just look at this verse, and it's not always this obvious, but just look at this verse with me in the way of introduction. And just notice the sequence of things in this verse. Verse 34, when he was come out, that's talking about coming out of the ship. He had just crossed the Sea of Galilee, and as soon as he got off the ship, when he was come out, that's the first thing we see, he exited the ship. And then it says he saw much people. The first thing he saw when he got out of the ship was this mass of humanity, these many people that were assembled there to greet them. The next thing it says, he was moved with compassion. Something happened inside him. Something got a hold of his heart. And it says he saw them as sheep having not a shepherd. And last thing in verse 34, he began to teach them. He taught them many things. So just a great, to me, a sequence of the way things transpired uh, in this event. And I want to really focus on and seek to understand today this matter of compassion. Verse 34 says, he was moved with compassion. Now when we think of the word compassion, we think of pity, we think of, you know, a concern, we have sympathy for someone, we are are compassionate toward them. Uh, But this really is a much stronger word. It really describes something going on inside of a person. That's why it says in verse 34, He was moved with compassion. That phrase, these three words together, as a phrase, moved with compassion, are found five times in the Gospels. It was a compassion that moved him. Compassion, the kind of compassion this is talking about, moves a person. It affects a person. Uh, I consulted the uh, old English uh, dictionary of 1828 of Noah Webster to look at his definition of compassion, and it says this a suffering with another. In other words, you enter into their suffering. Uh, Webster also said painful sympathy. In John's epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the epistles of John further over in the New Testament, John referred to having bowels of compassion. That's, you know, talking about something inside, deep inside you, that you feel. I'm just trying to get a handle on what it means to have compassion like Jesus had. It's a deep sense of compassion from within a person. Uh, In our modern terminology or vernacular, we might say his heart went out to them. He felt something for them. You know, we can hear news about something. We can hear news about these tragic events of yesterday. And we make a mental log of it. We try to wrap our mind around it intellectually. But how deeply do we really feel it? I shared a prayer request about a friend of ours uh, that we got this week. We hear it. Again, we can, we can intellectually try to comprehend what's going on, but this kind of compassion is different than that. You follow what I'm saying? It's it's feeling deeply about someone. You can have, you can have pity for someone or you can feel, feel concern for them and not be moved. An interesting thing, and we're not going to take the time obviously this morning to do all of this, but Almost every time you find this word compassion mentioned in our New Testament, there was some action taking on the part of the person that had compassion. He didn't just say, well, I feel sorry for that person. He did something in response to it. And if we would really honestly evaluate that today, we'd say, you know, I know what it is to care, have pity, or concern about someone, but I don't always do anything about it. I'm not always moved to do something about it. I want to look at some other examples just to help us in our understanding. And please hold your finger here and mark your place in Mark 6. And let's go to the left a little bit to the Gospel of Matthew. And let's just look at some examples in the life of Jesus of this kind of compassion. Some similar language and some entirely different language. But in Matthew chapter 9, that's where I want to be for, just just to read the verses and just put them into our catalog of of references that, that would uh, say the same thing, basically. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And then verse 36 But when he saw the multitudes, and I just want to emphasize that phrase, he saw. The multitudes. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. We see that kind of compassion. Go with, to the right a little bit in Matthew's gospel to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 Near the end of the chapter, uh, Jesus is uh, confronted with the needs of two blind men sitting by the wayside crying out to Him. Two men in a desperate situation. Verse 34 of Matthew chapter 20, it says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed Him. Here another example of His compassion Let's go further to the right, to the Gospel of Mark, but just the first chapter of Mark, a passage that we dealt with some months ago as we were beginning this series in Mark. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40 it says, And there came a leper to him. Most of us are familiar with that dreaded disease of leprosy. There came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. Let's go to one other place before we get back to Mark. And and that's in the Gospel of Luke. If you'd find that place with you. appreciate you looking these up in the Bible and Following along in your eyes as we look at the Word of God. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. In verse 12 it says And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. Here's a man, he's dead. It's basically what we would call kind of a funeral procession. They're carrying this man. He's the mom's only son. And she also is a widow. Verse 13 says, And when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. It's interesting. He didn't look at the casket and have compassion on the person that was dead, he had compassion on the mother who's a widow and had lost her son, her only son. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, the coffin, we would say. And they that bear him stood still. Jesus touched the coffin. And those that were Carrying the coffin, stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. What caused him to do that? His compassion. His compassion for a hurting woman. A woman who'd lost her only son. Jesus was a man of compassion. He cared about people. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus as he was there with Lazarus, his sister, and those who were weeping. He looked over the city of Jerusalem, and he wept. He wept over them. Go back to our text in Mark chapter 6, in verse 34. We're just talking about what compassion looks like. By the way, I think the best place to find out what it looks like is to look at Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, in verse 34, it says, "And And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. Now, he saw these people, many people. And he didn't just see them like we see them a lot of times, as physical bodies, people, people who are just human beings. He saw them as people who needed direction. Look what it says. He describes it in verse 34. Because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And I, I I think most of us would agree with this today, maybe all of us, We don't always see people the way Jesus sees them. And because of his compassion for them, notice what it says in the last part of verse 34. He began to teach them many things. Now, just a reminder, it's good, I think, to look back and ask ourselves this question. Why was Jesus and his disciples here in the first place? Why were they at this point in time And we have a clear answer to that just a few verses prior in verse 31. When Jesus, when he said unto them, Come ye apart, yourselves apart, into a desert place, and rest a while. We want to find a deserted place, a place where we can rest. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus felt like they needed a break. We talked about this last Sunday in our message. In verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. They wanted to be away. They needed to get away, and yet verse 33 says, the people, we mentioned this earlier, saw them departing. They saw them as they pushed away from shore, and many knew him. They ran afoot, thither out of the cities and outwent them. They ran ahead of them and came together unto him. In verse 34, when Jesus came out of the boat, there they were. When he saw them, he taught them many things. Now think about this. I mean, he was weary. They were dealing with the loss of John the Baptist. They were dealing with their emotional uh, distress, the toil that ministry had taken on them, these men that were closest to Jesus. And Jesus is is intentionally taking them away to spend some private time alone with Jesus the disciples. And here, and he's met by this crowd of people. What would he do? I mean, he could say, it's not on my schedule, it's not on my calendar, this is not why I'm here, I'm on vacation, you know, call me in a week or two. But he did not turn these needy people away. He began in verse 34, the Bible says, to teach them many things. And I, I find embedded in this verse the necessity of thinking about where people are. I mean, that's what Jesus is teaching us. Even though he was weary, he didn't push these people away. To minister to people. I realize everyone in this room may not be interested in ministering to people. For those of you who are interested in ministering to other people, this is a lesson for us. That even though Jesus had personal needs... He could not ignore the needs of others. He felt he felt the need of these people. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And by the way, this is what makes ministry work. He didn't just, he didn't just understand intellectually that these people were hurting. Their needs affected him. And here's what we run into sometimes in this difficult thing we call life. It's possible for us to get so absorbed in our own needs and our own struggles that we lose sight of the needs of people around us. And Jesus tells us that the compassion of God, the grace of God helps us even in the times that we are needy to recognize and help others in their time of need. So we see this is the compassion of Jesus. This is what it looks like. And and there is, and I'm still in Mark chapter 6 today, this reminds us of the need that mankind has for compassion. And Jesus was the great giver because of his compassion. Now sometimes uh, we may not want to admit we need help, right? especially men. I know men better because I are one. Sometimes we don't admit we have needs. It takes a a measure of humility to recognize that we need help. But Jesus saw these people as they were, as sheep not having a shepherd. Sheep, please hear me today. We all are sheep, right? I may be the pastor, the under-shepherd, but I'm also a sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need guidance. Sheep need leadership. Sheep need protection from predators. Sheep need nutrition. Jesus said to Peter, "Feed my sheep." Sheep have needs. Sheep sheep that are isolated are more vulnerable to the problems and predators of life there, there's such a thing as a, a sheep being cast that means a sheep actually gets on his back in such a way that he cannot even, can't even get up without assistance that's what sheep are now sometimes we like to think I'm on my own I make my own decisions I don't need anybody but I want to tell you that may seem right in our mind but it's not reality the reality is sheep need a shepherd All of us need a shepherd. All of us need the shepherd, capital S, shepherd. All of us need a shepherd. David himself was a shepherd, right? He kept his father's sheep. He was the son of Jesse. And yet in that great 23rd Psalm, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He needed a shepherd. And he's our Savior. He is our Savior, but he's also our shepherd. Don't just look at Jesus as a Savior that saved me from our sin. He is a shepherd to to lead us and protect us and comfort us and guide us. David himself wrote from a cave where he was hiding once. He said this, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. God is there for us. He cares deeply for us. Now you may think that's not true, but I, and I understand people get confused in life and feel like God has made himself distant from us, but I just want to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, God cares about you. God cares about us. David said in another place, when my father and my mother forsake me, that's a bad place to be. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. God is our shepherd. He cares about us. Sheep need compassion. He sees us. Just like Jesus saw these hurting people, Jesus sees us. He sees our needs. He sees our struggles. He sees our hurts. He sees our difficulties, and He loves us. Thinking about this word compassion, the writer of Hebrews said this, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. That means He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. When we feel alone, when we feel forsaken, when we feel abandoned, when we feel hopeless, compassion means He feels for us. I'm glad He does. Many, many years ago, there was a preacher named Frank Graff. He lived in the late 1800s, died in the early 1900s. He was not only a preacher, he was a writer. He wrote lyrics for songs, really poems that were put to music. He didn't put them to music himself. But he had this reputation. I was reading some of his biography. He was sometimes called the Sunshine Minister because of his positive attitude and cheerful disposition. That'd be good to be known as, wouldn't it? But he wasn't always that way on the inside. He felt like we all do. Times of hurt and despair. He went through a particular difficult time of his life. And he began to struggle spiritually. Even times of doubt and discouragement. And in that time of his life, he was searching the scripture for some, for some help, for some hope, which is a good thing to do. He the, found these words of Peter in one of his epistles, especially comforting, where Peter says, "'Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you.'" Talking about the pronoun he, talking about God, he careth for you. God cares about you. And at that time of his life, he wrote the words of a hymn that we sing periodically in our church, does Jesus care? It's a question. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Does Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? As the daylight fades into deep night shades? Does He care enough to be near? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When from my deep grief there's no relief, though my tears flow all the night long? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to Him, does He see and then the chorus, the familiar refrain. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Jesus is compassionate, and mankind needs that compassion. And I want to tell you today, he cares about you, he sees your needs. He's touched by your situation. And he wants to help. There's a passage, and I'm not going to turn to it in 2 Chronicles, where it's describing this, the Old Testament book, and it's describing the rebellion of God's people. It says that the chief priests and the people, think about this now, transgressed very much after all the abomination of the heathen. The people were rebelling against God. And it, when it goes on to say, and they polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hollowed in Jerusalem. And the next verse says this, and the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, the prophets, rising up and sending because he had compassion on his people. It's talking about God. God saw people in rebellion and disobedience and He sent preachers to them. He sent prophets to them. Why? Because He had compassion on them. Even though they were disobeying Him, He cared so much, He sent a messenger to give them the truth. That's the way God is. As a matter of fact, it was His compassion... For sinful, broken men that He came to the cross, that He sent His Son to the cross. It was because He cares about people. He endured the, Jesus endured the agony of Calvary. You ever imagine what that might have been like for Him to go through that? The, the shame, the humiliation, the beating, the whipping, the, the, the scourging the nails driven in His hands and feet. Why did He go through that? It's because of His compassion. He took our sins upon His own body because of His compassion. He became sin for us because of His compassion. And by the way, He will save you today and forgive you because of His mercy and compassion and love. God is a caring God. And and who is it that would try to make us believe The blasphemous lie that God does not care is Satan himself. God cares about us. And as the hymn writer wrote, even in the dark times, when it doesn't seem like he's anywhere around, God is compassionate. And we see that in Mark chapter 6. He was tired. He was weary. He had other plans. He had an agenda. But because of his compassion, he could not ignore the needs of the people. And he addressed those needs. I want to close today with a challenge for all of us, and that is this. We not only need to know His compassion, we need to show His compassion. We need the kind of compassion that Jesus had. And I fear sometimes that our concern is sometimes shallow and superficial. It may be even that we resist this, this matter of feeling deeply about other people. But you know what? We have to make room in our heart for people. We have to learn to put ourselves in the place of others. We hear about needs of people. And yes, we know their needs. And we, yes, they know their people, but they don't affect us but if you just take a moment, if we'd take a moment and put ourselves in their place and think, what would this be like in our family if we were going through this? What would this be like in my life if I was going through this? What would this be like in our church if we were going? And all of a sudden it takes on a different, a different meaning. It's more compassionate. What was it that triggered the compassion of Jesus? It was what he saw. He saw these people as sheep not having a shepherd. And it begs the question for all of us, how do we see people? I'm not going to turn to it, but in Luke chapter 10 we have the story of a a man who fell among thieves and he was beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And One religious person came by and saw him and decided to walk on the other side of the road. And another person came along and kind of ignored it, went on the other side of the road. But then it says this Samaritan came along, and he had compassion on him, and he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, and he tried to help him and actually put him in the inn and paid for it. He saw, see these three people saw him, but one of them saw him differently. I'm talking about you now, I'm talking about me, I'm talking about our life. Not just your children, not just your marriage, not just your pain, but caring enough about other people and seeing other people and what they're going through and trying to help them. Jesus' compassion for this group of people in Mark 6, 34 caused Him to teach them, to teach them. You know, this kind of compassion will be seen in our life. A lost person, a worldly person, could see a person and sympathize with what they are or where they are. But Jesus went a step further. He did something about it. This kind of compassion, will be, we'll see it in our life. We'll see it in how we feel about it. We'll see it in our prayers. I think we'll see it in our prayer life. I mean when we when we think about like we were I was so encouraged this past Wednesday evening by the message our missionary guest brother Morrison brought about the needs in Swaziland and he put up on the screen the testimonies of these people who had been saved living over there in a place where there's very 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 little gospel witness in the entire country and me just saying that to sometimes people just tune that out you know why because we don't care about anybody but the people live in our house. But compassion cares about others and sees these people differently. Our prayer life will be different because of our prayer. We'll have meaningful prayers, not shallow prayers, not not empty prayers, but burdensome, meaningful prayers as we pray about people and pray about their needs and pray about God's work. It'll be seen in our life. It'll be seen in our words. The way we speak. He he taught these people. He instructed them. He said, Can I help you with this? Let me teach you about this. And when we see people, people that are lost, people that are unsaved, we want to change the way we look at them. These people, these people are. They may seem like they're doing fine. We talked to people yesterday going about the community. They, they, they act like they're doing fine. They feel like they're doing fine. But we see them differently. You know why? Because they're really one heartbeat away from an eternity in hell separated from God. It changes the way we see and the way we, the way we approach people, the way we feel about people. You've probably heard this said, but William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and he was a trainer of preachers. He said if, if he could do one thing for his preachers, I'm paraphrasing, of course, it would let them just spend one minute looking into hell. If you could see what hell's like, it'd change your perspective about people. This kind of compassion will be seen in our lives. It'll be seen in our involvement, our actions, our, our getting personally engaged, in ministry, and helping people, in missionaries, and evangelism. I wanted to spend the morning on this one verse here in verse 34 because I think it has so much to say to us. First of all, God genuinely cares about us. He cares about you today. He wants to help you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be forgiven. He died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross that you could be forgiven, but you must come to Him. And and you, you don't have to come to Him and bring any promises or vows or religious works, but you have to come to Him in repentance of sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And He'll say, the moment a person... We heard about this this morning in Sunday school. The moment they, in Numbers, when the moment they looked at that brazen serpent in faith, they were healed. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation... God will forgive you and save you. And you say, well, I just think you ought to do more. He's done everything for you. It's our turn to say, Lord, I'm going to believe on you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to come to you. He cares about us. I didn't look the passage up today, but in Luke chapter 15, we have a picture of a man who had the youngest son of a father and who had gone to the far country to... Leave the Father's will and live it up and have have a great time. But most of us know the story. He found himself friendless and without funds, desperate need. So he decided finally he'd be better off in the Father's house. And when he started his way back toward the Father's house, it said his Father, again, saw him a great way off. And had compassion on him. Had compassion on him. Welcomed him. Put a ring on his finger and a coat on his back, shoes on his feet and killed the fatted calf. That's the way God is. He cares about us. And because that's the way he is, could we just... Take a moment and look within ourselves and ask the question, how compassionate am I? I mean, real compassion that sees people as they are, put yourself in their place, does something, a person who does something about helping people. May God help us be those kind of people. Amen.